everybody, I'm Neil Renahan. Welcome to Cube Fight, Episode 3, which is our, our 2001 finale. Yay! That was fast. Yeah, I'm, I'm joined by Andy Gergen, as usual. What's up, Neil Ronahan? How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm ready to, to wrap up the, the two months of North American joy that was the GameCube in 2001. 2001 has come and gone, finally, after all these episodes. Yeah, after all, after all two of them. We've come to the final conclusion of 2001, a month. A year that lasted two months. <laughs> so the way these episodes are going to work, I and mean, I think we've kind of talked about it vaguely in past episodes, but now we actually have a plan. So uh, you had the opportunity to vote to see who would win the 2001 first party game of the year, as well as uh, a late minute, last minute edition of finding out the 2001 third party game of the year. Uh, so if you want to be a part of those votes and you missed it, then keep an eye out for whenever we get to like uh, the end of the year or maybe the halfway point. It's still it's gonna be weird because like for 2002 there's only like two first party games for the first half of the year. So like having like then we'd have another third party episode, another I don't know. It's it's weird. We'll figure it out as we go. But anyway, uh, so if you want to be participate in those votes, stay tuned to the podcast feed and NintendoWorldReport.com and then Twitter. Can, Watch yeah, the Twitter. Twitter. Twitter also helps. Maybe we should start a cube fight Twitter. That'd be fun. We can post like old, old GameCube stuff. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, we have a habit of doing that and then never using it. Yeah. But then maybe maybe we'll get lucky and, and someone will pick up the Twitter seven years after the podcast goes <laughs> dormant and just troll people with it. Yeah, just like Newscast. Just like Newscast. I, I still, I'm, Newscast. I'm, still, I'm still wondering who does that. But I don't I mean, know. The, the myth will continue. That's probably, it's probably Nathan or yeah, Scott. I would imagine. Now we're talking about podcasts that you, the listener, probably haven't heard unless you're you've been with us for a long time. But maybe you <laughs> found us organically, and uh, whether or not you want to you want to say anything to us, um, and you're like yelling at the yelling at your car or your your phone or your computer right now, being like, just move on. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Email us at cubefight at nintendoreport.com. We got one listener mail from one Jason Lee. I don't think he's the actor slash skateboarder slash Scientologist. But we can hope. That'd be cool. Uh, he didn't really have a question. He just said, like, I, I want a wave race to win and that we should make the songs longer when we put them in, which I will I will take that to heart. We can do that. Yeah, We have yeah. the power. Yeah, and then we'll get a wide variety of songs for this episode because what we're going to do is we'll sum up the 2001 first party game of the year. But we already talked about both of those games that are competing, so that'll be quick. And then we'll go down through a couple third party games of our choosing uh it's a little a little subjective there where we're going to pick what we want to talk about, but we're going to hit the, the hard-hitting ones, of course, the the Nintendo-exclusive games, like like Universal Studio Theme Park, mm-hmm. which oh, yeah. was a GameCube exclusive from Kemco, but I've never, I've never played that, and I, I don't want to play that. Everyone's favorite Nintendo game, Crazy Taxi. Yes. <laughs> so let's start this off. By uh, saying that Super Smash Bros. Melee is the 2001 first party game of the year, beating Luigi's Mansion in an astounding 91% to 9%. That's what we call a slaughter. Yeah, I'm surprised Luigi's Mansion got even one vote. Yeah, well, no accounting for taste. Yeah. I think uh, I think uh, Pikmin was a better contender for Smash Brothers. The inherent flaw of the tournament bracket, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's like when the Blackhawks play the Blues in the Stanley Cup playoffs early. It was like the the two the the overall two seed and the overall five seed. Um, in a pool of sixteen, I'll stop talking about that. That's all right. 
So our 2001 third-party game of the year, as, as per our voters, was uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader. Oh, yeah. Which one uh, they, mm. it had about 55%. Super Monkey Ball was the only one that really even charted. That had like 30-plus percent. So Rogue Leader is it is a, a GameCube exclusive, and I think it still holds up really well to this day. Can you think of the last time Nintendo got a triple A third party exclusive title based on a beloved franchise? Like, I, I'm trying to think of the last time I was this impressed by a GameCube game that, quite frankly, judging by today's standards, does not belong on a, on a Nintendo platform. Like, there is no reality today that exists where Nintendo would get Rogue Leader. Yeah, no, I mean right. it's it's true. I mean, did you you've heard those those rumors that seem to be very well founded about the the Rogue Squadron trilogy that was going to be on Wii that well, apparently it's not, it's not even apparently, just rumors. They had video footage of that, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, and I think it's like done. Like yeah, the, the, it was a completed in, product in in a Lucasfilm vault somewhere at Disney. They just have this game for Wii done. If they could, if if they had the the time and resources to upport this to HD for a Wii U release, like. This would, this would still sell so well. These games are so good. Yeah, and I would say Rogue Leader is by far the best of the three. Well, I shouldn't say these games are so good because I've only played the one. I've only played Rogue Leader, but yeah. I presume uh, they're all also pretty good. I actually saw Rebel Strike uh, for 20 bucks at a store, store the other day, and I thought about picking it up, but I've still never played it. Rebel Strike is rough because of the on-foot missions, but yeah. the cool thing about that is that it has the entire first game in co-op. Oh, wow. Um, that's amazing which is which is incredible and yeah, like i uh i played this game actually i think i might have gotten home from seeing episode seven and i just threw this game on and, and played through like half of it in my star wars fervor and man did it satisfy that more than disney infinity 3.0 did sure uh like this i mean it's it, it starts off where it just puts you you're doing the death star run and yeah it's a little like if you didn't know what Star Wars was and you were playing this game, I don't think you'd know what to do in the Death Star Trench run. Because it's just like, here, just go down this thing. And, like, knowing Star Wars, I'm like, all right, I gotta fire the photon torpedoes and hit that little hole. But, like, they well, don't really do a good job of conveying that, I think. But... You know, it's it's been a long time since I had played Rogue Leader. I played, I played the first, like, three missions earlier today. Um, and I had a lot of trouble with the end of the first mission because they don't give you any indicator whatsoever where to aim your photon torpedo. yeah yeah i like, just i basically pressed pressed a button and it just worked well apparently you have to aim it towards the bottom of the wall is all um but i didn't do that i tried to aim it just sort of in the middle or towards the top and i failed the mission three times before i finally just like looked it up on the internet and found out what i was supposed to do uh it's a you know there are. This is a very impressive game. It looks great. It sounds great. It's got a lot of polish, but there are little things that just scream launch game about this game, and that's one of them. There's not a lot of those things, but there are a handful where you know you just feel like maybe this game could have used a little more time on some of the UI elements. But uh, you know, it, it there's those those little things are so few and far between that it's hard to complain too much. Yeah. Another thing. Another thing that kind of took me out along those lines are on the hoth mission when you deploy your um your cable and go around the atsts or the the adats yeah um the camera angle immediately changes very very quickly 
to shift to a view where you can more easily go around the legs. But that initial shift is so jarring that it's very easy to just run into the legs of the AT-AT immediately, uh, which is a little frustrating because it's like a one-shot kill. If you if you run into something in this game, you die. Yeah, um, and that, that happened to me when I was replaying it. Yeah. But, I mean, the music is so good in this game. And, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's John Williams' music in, in really this was, good this was sound the quality. First, this was the first Nintendo CD-ROM or disc-based game that I played. And it's almost like they were trying to show off. Like, look at look what you can do now that we have all of this tiny GameCube DVD storage space. It just, it felt like, it felt like a new era as, an, as a Nintendo fan. Look, yeah. look what we can do now. Yeah. You know, I didn't get a Nintendo game at launch on the GameCube. I got two third-party games. I didn't get an, a first-party game until uh, Pikmin. So, because what, what was the other game? Monkey Ball. L- Luigi's Man. Yeah, I got Mon- I got Monkey Ball and Rogue Leader. Actually, I got Rogue Leader, and my best friend got Monkey Ball. Oh, okay. And those, those are the two games we had right out right out of the gate. Neither one of us got Luigi, and then both of us got Pikmin, and both of us got Brawl. But that was like three weeks later. Yeah, I never actually bought uh, Rogue Leader until like. I think I got it for ten dollars at a GameStop sometime in the mid two thousands. It's such a good game. Yeah, I, it was it was a game that I borrowed from friends a lot um, in the early like you know two thousand one two thousand two. But I just because I had played through it, I didn't feel the need to buy it until it got to a point when I wasn't near those friends anymore. I was in college and I was like, I need I need to play this game, so I got it. Yeah. So uh, let's go to the reviews that we have of this. Uh, back in two thousand. Back in December 2001, one Dr. Jonathan Metz, before he was a doctor, um, when he was still, I think, just an undergrad, uh, he gave it a 9 out of 10. That's fair. And his pros and cons, uh, Factor 5's patented arcade-style gameplay refined and expanded to its limits, improved metal system with more secrets than ever to unlock, and practically unequaled graphics and sound. His cons, frame rate drops may annoy those sensitive to such things, over too soon, unless you devote yourself to earning medals, and some mission ob- objectives are needlessly vague. And that's kind of like, those pros and cons are funny, because I think that's a lot of what we were just talking about. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, the metal system I thought was really cool in this, and a lot of the unlockables are, I mean, there's so much to unlock, and a little bit's less exciting now in this, like, digital age where we don't need to, like, unlock clips from the movie and stuff in a video game. Yeah, yeah. But how do you how, how do you feel as an as an action game and as kind of a, a spectacle because that's a big part of what Rogue Leader was when it came out was sort of it was a it was a spectacle it looked like you were playing the movie um, how do you feel like that holds up today compared to like I I, don't know, I was playing the Death Star level earlier and I I I found myself thinking that we've come such a such a long way in you know action games in the last five to 10 years that something like rogue leader, while it still holds up in a lot of ways and it definitely looks ahead of its time. Like it's, it's a lot less difficult to sort of see what's going on because one of the things I remember about this game when I first played it was there was so much stuff happening on the screen that it was difficult to follow. It it was, there's, there's lasers going everywhere and you're flying, you know, super fast and there's flashing colors. It was just, it was overwhelming uh, I didn't I didn't get that today. I don't know that that has held up quite as well as you might have you might have thought. Um, but the fact that the fact that it even kind of holds up, but the fact that it's not like abysmally ugly, uh, is a real testament to what they pulled off. 
I, I think there was a time where I would have probably fought you on being like, oh no, it totally holds up. But no, there's definitely, I think, I think age has finally gotten to rogue leader after like a decade. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I no longer think it's like that one GameCube game that just looks so much better than everything else. I think, I think like you said, like the spectacle is a little gone because I mean, it was, it was a game made in 2001. Yeah. I mean, compare, compare, compare that to like what platinum has been doing yeah. with their action games. And it's, you know, those those feel today like Rogue Leader felt in 2001. So uh, I guess let's move on to the next the next third party game on the docket, Super Monkey Ball. memory of um, as as said before on this i did not get my i got my gamecube christmas that year but i had a one of my one of my best friends who lived down the road from me got it on launch day and i went over there and i think we screwed around with luigi's mansion a little bit and then we played monkey ball for hours and i I've, i vividly remember walking home from his house and just thinking like i played like the best multiplayer game ever Little did I know that in two weeks he would get Super Smash Brothers Melee, and then I would regret those words because it just got trumped. But Super Monkey Ball is a fantastic game that I think I think holds up really, really well. Yeah, you know they've they've iterated on the formula lots of times, but I don't know that any of the sequels or spinoffs has you know played nearly as well or felt nearly as refined as the original. Um, just like the, you know, they had like the sort of like puzzle, puzzle centric uh, single player mode, which was fun but frustrating. But the multiplayer game was Monkey Fight, uh, Monkey Race, and Monkey Target. Man, those are just those are unbeatable. And, I played and, and Monkey also, Target so much. There's also Monkey Billiards, Monkey Bowling, and Monkey Golf. Oh, Monkey which, Bowling was so good. Yeah, that was the that was the original Wii Bowling. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think Monkey Target was Monkey Target was the jam in the original. I think that Monkey Ball Two's um, the, the baseball one there was really good, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to that when we get there. But Monkey Target was was the money game from from the first. We Monkey played Ball. so much Monkey Target. Yeah, I mean it's basically it's the closest thing we got to a Pilot Wings game. Yeah, I uh, I perfected that game. I was getting I was getting perfect scores in that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eventually, my eventually my friends did not want to play that game with me anymore <laughs> because I had I had found the key to getting the perfect scores, but. Um, 
you know, it, and it's such a weird game, putting a monkey inside of a ball for no discernible reason and letting him roll around. Like, it's such a weird thing. Um, and, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, Super Monkey Ball sort of established a tone for the platform. Um, fun multiplayer games, bright colors, smooth frame rates for the most part, at least in the good games. Like, I feel like I feel like Monkey Ball in a lot of ways sort of like it is the GameCube. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. Like it, it just it it's it set a really strong precedent for what the what the GameCube was going to do well, the kind of games that would do well on GameCube. And it's really, I mean, it's disheartening as what's happened to that series over the years is that Super Monkey Ball one and two were really really good, and then it just basically fell off a cliff. There was, I think, Super Monkey Ball Adventure at the end of the GameCube era, and then there was like a Wii version, there was a 3DS version, and they were there was all... an iPhone version. Which actually, I think the iPhone version wasn't that bad. It was a it was an App Store launch game. Yeah, it was. I had bought it at launch. It doesn't doesn't hold up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, for, funny, for its day, for its day, that I, I think that that the iOS game might have been the best Monkey Ball game since the first two. When I when I put Monkey Ball in the other day to to try it again, um, when I was playing the single player mode, I thought to myself that this this feels like the kind of game that does well on mobile, not necessarily from a control standpoint, but just from like what the game is. A series of puzzles with a whole bunch of collectibles. Uh, the the bananas might as well be like micro like microtransaction yeah, currency. That, like, yeah, that's it, like the coins that you get, so that way you can unlock more lives and upgrade your money. Yeah, buy a banana doubler. Like it just, <laughs> it feels like the kind of game that does well on mobile today. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised they haven't come back to that franchise. Maybe, maybe they will. Yeah. On a, on NX, I don't know, but. I mean, uh, Sega Sega kind of a couple years ago just like was like, no, we're we're done with all these games. We're just making a couple. And I think Monkey That's Ball, true. Monkey did, Ball might they? have been a series that was a victim of that because it, it did did have a very clear decline. But I think that yeah. those characters, II and Mei Mei, uh, I think they're in the Sega lexicon, so they'll they'll gone, continue gone. to exist. Yeah, Gon Gon and, and Baby. Yeah, and I think they added more in later games, but those are the core four. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Monkey Ball does show up sometime in the future. I would I would love just a very. Very plain and simple. Just give me like mon- a Monkey Ball one and two HD collection, and we're good. Give me, give me the first Monkey Ball on 3DS. I'd play that. Uh, having played the launch 3DS Monkey Ball game, I don't know if I would play that. There was a launch 3DS Monkey Ball game. Yeah, I reviewed it. I think it's one of the lowest scores I've given a 3DS game. Oh my goodness. Well, maybe if they made a good version of that yeah. game, I don't know. It was not a great game. Um, I would love to have Monkey Target available asynchronous just high score leaderboards give it give it give it i would have a, such a good time with that yeah someone someone should make at least a game similar to that what uh, was what was the problem with the 3ds one do you remember i mean i could i could go read my review but i think that would be boring i mean i think it just handled bad yeah i think i played it no no i played the wii launch game yeah uh, there, i think there were two was... there were two wii games there was banana blitz and there was one that used the balance board, and both I played, great. I played whichever one was launch, the yeah. launch game, which I think was Banana Blitz. Yep. And it controlled worse than you can possibly mm-hmm. imagine. It was so terrible. So the reviews for this uh, got a 9 out of 10 and a 9.5. The 9 out of 10 review is from uh, our, our founder and current Nintendo Treehouse employee, Billy Berghammer. Uh, he said uh, some of the pros, seven games in one. Old school at heart with a GameCube upgrade. Quick and easy to pick up and play. The cons, 
music and sound effects get very repetitious, and oh, the yeah. game gets very, very hard. Oh, yeah. Both of those things are very true. Yeah, and, and he praises just a lot about the the breadth of this game and the, the excellent multiplayer fun. It's such a great multiplayer game. Yeah. Monkey fight with the little boxing gloves on the springs. Like, oh, that's so good. I love I, lo- I, I, I might have to have some friends over. Maybe, maybe I uh, look forward to a stream on Nintendo World Report where I, where I get uh, you know, Justin and Jared and our friends at Third Grade Menu together to, uh, to play some, play some Super Monkey Ball multiplayer. That would be a good time. Be, that, that would that, be, that would be excellent. Yeah. God. So Monkey Ball gets nines. Uh, nine. You say there was a nine five in there too. Yeah. Monkey Rogue Ball Leader gets, got a pair of nines. Rogue Leader gets nines. Monkey Ball gets nines. Melee gets nines. Pikmin got. Eight, maybe, maybe nine. Pikmin might have gotten a seven. I don't know. I, I don't mm-hmm. have. I only have the the third party games that we're talking about. This was now. such a damn good launch launch for the system. Yeah. Like, and and the the next the next game that we're going to talk about also got a nine. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then also NBA Courtside launched. Yeah. Well, I mean that was in February. That was that's that was true. Or January or something. But. Oh, you mean the next game we're talking about in this episode? Third yeah, party game. no, uh, oh, okay. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Also oh, got a 9 okay. out of 10. Foreshadowing to oh, no. um, Also, another another Jonathan Metz review. He gave it a nine out of ten. Excellent level design. Soundtrack has more variety than in previous games. Tons of secrets for hardcore players. Tried and true pro skater gameplay. And for the cons, annoying frame rate jumps. Doesn't have the PS2 versions online play. The two minute game design is starting to get tired. Um, so, I forgot so... that the PS2 version had online play. Yeah. Damn. I mean, I, I don't remember ever caring about it, but... That... So as someone who didn't really play a lot of the Tony Hawk games, um, what what was it about 3 that stood out? I I mean, Johnny says in his review that the two-minute game design is starting to get tired. I disagree. I think that the two-minute uh, like the two minute game design of, you know, um, when the, the first three Tony Hawk games before they went open world, it would be you'd go into a level, you'd have two minutes to, like, get a high score, complete challenges and stuff, and then when you were done that, you'd, you'd start over. Um, and that was like so addictive. It was great for like passing the controller around with friends. And why I like three the most is um, in, in one's very basic. Like there are there are no reverts or manuals, which might not make sense to people who are unfamiliar with the series. But basically, um, manuals and reverts were used to link tricks together. Mm-hmm. So in the first one, it was very much like grinding was kind of overpowered because that's the way that you could link tricks together when you do like you know in a half pipe you do a trick it would just be that trick and that's it mm-hmm. whereas in later games they added manuals and reverts which would allow you to make ridiculous combos which is then when tony hawk got 
crazy pants loony um where you're like bam margera jumping off of cliffs and stuff like that like spray painting russia i don't know tony hawk's underground got weird i think but, the one that i played the most of was uh pc version of the second game and i i have actually like several copies believe it or not of tony hawk 3 on gamecube but i've never quite given it a ton of time i think when i first got it about a year ago i played it for maybe a grand total of an hour but uh, skateboarding games have never been my thing because I just don't understand them. I, I enjoy watching them and I think they, I, I kind of, I, I totally get the, the high score chase component of it. Uh, but as someone who's never skateboarded in my life, I, I, I don't, I don't understand the language of it. And that makes it a little bit hard to, to really know what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, so there was no Tony Hawk four before underground. Uh, there was a Tony Hawk four. So, so here, brief Tony Hawk lesson. So Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk originally just came out. Uh, the first one was a PlayStation one game. Then it got later ported to N64, like maybe Dreamcast or something. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was Tony Hawk two. Um, and the, the N64 versions of Tony Hawk one and two, uh, which was how I experienced the first one was the N64 version, which is really terrible compared to the, the, the PlayStation version, the PlayStation versions, were historically the way to go with the Tony Hawk series because mm-hmm. um like the Tony Hawk like Tony Hawk 1 on N64 like has like two songs whereas I mean because of the CD versus the cartridge whereas the yeah. CD like had like a full like 10 to 15 song soundtrack and it was incredible because it was a lot of a lot of fun punk music from from like that some the bands I was listening to at the time were in that game and that was great uh so yeah there was Tony Hawk 1 there was Tony Hawk 2 then Tony Hawk 3 uh, which to me, and, and I mean, I could hear an argument for like four and underground also being very good. Uh, but for, for me, like, I love the two minute design. I think it's very elegant and kind of simplified in a way that, that appeals to me a whole lot. And Tony Hawk four came out the year after, and that's when it went open world. And like, so you'd go into an environment and then like go to people and pick up missions and stuff like okay, that. So, so underground wasn't the first third open world game. No. I thought it was for some reason. Underground introduced like a story though, where you would create your character in the beginning. And then you'd basically, you, you like, you had like a rival going alongside you. And like, it was basically you becoming like this super rad skateboarder. Uh, and then there was, there was thug two, which is the Tony Hawk versus Bam Margera in the Santa Palooza, which is where I kind of stopped paying attention to the series as much. Um, and then there was Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland, which I actually have a copy of that on GameCube that I got a while ago, but I've never played that game. Um, and then there was shit, Tony Hawk's Proving Ground, Tony Hawk's Project 8. Um, neither of those came to a Nintendo console. Instead, we got Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam on Wii. Oh God. Which which wasn't very good, but fun fact: Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam, made by Toys for Bob, who would later go on to make Skylanders. Well, and then there was uh, Shred, right? And yeah, Shred, there were Ride, Shred Ride, Ride, and Shred, which were right. the the peripheral games that bombed. And then they had Tony Hawk HD, which I thought was pretty good, and Tony Hawk Five, which I was really excited for, and had like twelve hours where I was like, guys, it's not that bad, but that that game's pretty rough. I don't think it's quite as bad as what people um people like basically like said that like it killed their family um that game's not that bad it's it's yeah. not great and there was a patch that came out like a month or two after it came out that made it a lot more playable nice but yeah uh tony hawk 3 is amazing 
I, it's it's sincerely one of my favorite games on the GameCube. I could probably replay it any day of the week, and whenever I pick it up, it is followed by me just sitting down and mindlessly playing through the entire game because I love it so much. It is your it is your NCAA football. <laughs> yes. Well, it's also my Madden. I played a lot of Madden. I guess maybe oh, I should true. call out Madden NFL 2002. I probably played a lot of that at the GameCube launch because I always play Madden. But that's just, that's just how I am. Sure. Was the, were, the, were the Madden games any good on GameCube? Were they pretty much feature equivalent to the PS2 versions? I mean, they didn't have online. You couldn't do roster updates, but um, that didn't stop me when I had free time in middle school and high school. Uh, there was So my brother got a PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm. Around like 2002, 2003. He was in college at the time. I was in middle school or high school. And when Madden would come out, he would still, like, I'd, I'd, I'd be home because I was still in, still in, you know, not college school. And he would be, he wouldn't be going back to school yet. And when Madden would come out, we would go through all the teams and update the rosters because we were really cool. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, so. I mean, the GameCube versions weren't as good, and you'd need, like, a million memory cards to save things. Yeah. But I, I didn't really care. I just wanted to play Madden. I seem to recall that a season of Madden was an entire memory card on GameCube. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was an entire memory card 59. And if you wanted yeah. to save anything else, you needed more. Yeah. So I have a lot of, like, random memory cards that just have Madden saves on it. I only have one memory card anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a lot of mine one. are broken now. I had one of the really big ones, and it got corrupted, so I lost all of my GameCube saves. Did they ever release the uh, the SD card adapter they had talked about? I don't, I don't think so. Hmm. I'm not sure why not. It would have been a great idea, but oh well. Yeah. So I guess let's move on to the next third-party game in our little roundup, and we'll probably be a little more expedient about the last few. Uh, Batman Vengeance. a Ubisoft game based on Batman the Animated Series that doesn't, it, it tries to look like Batman the Animated Series, but it's like, you know, a 3D action game. And I got this game at launch, and despite it being really janky and rough around the edges, it's it's a very, like, playing it in modern day, like, it's a it's a really rough third third-person action game with, like, weird jumping, like, it's hard to tell where to go and stuff like that, but... It's, it's basically like a hidden episode of Batman the Animated Series. It's got the entire voice cast back. Um, it, it, it's one of those stories that just like hits every big villain along the way. Um, and of course, it's Batman versus Joker. Um, and the fun fact about this that we discovered before we recorded is... Uh, so this was developed by Ubisoft Montreal. 
a lot of the uh, like there's a lot of people that worked on this game that are still working at ubisoft montreal to this very day there's also a number of them that went to work on the arkham games which is which is really funny to me that's insane yeah so it's basically like people worked on this batman game in 2001 and then like 10 years later um a lot of them went to warner brothers montreal and then started working on uh arkham origins worked on wait origins origins um some of like i think I think some of them might have been a part of like upper management and Warner Brothers, but it looks like some of the like the actual like developers were are at WB Montreal, or at least okay. some of them are. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I never played and Origins. I, it's it's I think it's the weak link of that. Although I haven't played Arkham Knight yet because yeah. Origins really made me tired of that formula. Yeah, I never finished City even. I, I have like it on. City. I have the. I have the armored edition on Wii U. I maybe someday I'll finish it. Yeah, but let's uh let's go down the review for for Batman Vengeance. I am Vengeance. I am the Knight. I'm a review written by Max Lake. Max uh, Lake, who was just interviewed by yeah. Jonathan Metz. Yeah, so check NintendoReport.com as part of uh, Jonathan Metz' uh, Planet GameCube book interviews, which are which are coming along wonderfully. But Max Lake gave this game an 8 out of 10. He said it has an amazing combat system. Fantastic recreation of Batman and Company. Looks just like Batman's animated world should in 3D. Lots of gadgets. Option to change language to Spanish or French. And you get to drive the Batmobile in the Batplane. The cons, Batmobile and Batplane levels could be better. Occasionally frustrating jumps. And some problems when fighting multiple foes. Which, yeah, yeah, those are all things that I remember about this game being frustrating. And the Batmobile stuff is, uh, it's okay. It's, like, cool that you're driving the Batmobile, but it's very limited. Hmm. Interesting. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's Batman Vengeance. I looked for a copy of this last week. I couldn't find one. Um, I'm trying not to order online, because I feel like that's a rabbit hole that, <laughs> if I, if I open that rabbit hole up, I'm going to buy all of the GameCube games ever made, and my wife will leave me. Um, so I'm trying to just stick to what I can find in various local establishments. Um, I'm not having a ton of luck with that, but, uh, so far I've been able to play most of the things we've talked about for this podcast. And I I think I'm good. I'm good for at least one more episode, if not two, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I never played Batman vengeance, but I remember being very excited for Batman dark tomorrow when it was first announced. I'm so sorry. Well, I never played Dark Tomorrow, so I managed to uh, I managed to uh, to dodge that bullet. But uh, I remember seeing the the initial screenshots for that and thinking it looked amazing. Um, I have since learned that it is one of the worst games ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll cover that. That's a, that's a 2002 game, isn't it? Uh, probably. Well, maybe we'll cover that in in okay. some months' time. Uh, so the last third party game that we're going to talk about, I think, unless unless you have anything up your sleeve. Uh, is NHL Hits 2002. Oh, which, yeah. Which I played a little bit of this back in the day. Not not a lot. Um, I mean, it's it's an NBA Jam, but in NHL form. So it's like a really fast-paced three-on-three hockey game. That was that was all the rage back then. Like, I remember, like, Wayne Gretzky 3D Hockey on the N64, which I played a bunch of 20 years ago. Um, I think that was the same, like, fast-paced arcade hockey games. Um, this, was, this was fun, from what I remember. Um, and, I mean, it's a... Fast-paced hockey, fast-paced arcade sports games are awesome. And the neat thing about this game is that the developer, um, which uh, Black Box, went on to do some cool things and still continue to do cool things for Nintendo to this very day. 
a lot of the people from Black Box Games, they, they went on to make Sega Soccer Slam, which I think um, when we when we get to 2000, 2002, 2003, like that, I think that's one of the greatest sports games of all time. Hmm. Uh, also, uh, a lot of people from Black Box went on to become next level games, which worked on the Mario Striker games at the end of the game, or the Mario Striker, the first Mario Strikers at the end of the GameCube era, and then... You know, Mario Strikers Charged, and then Punch-Out, and then Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, and then Metroid Prime Federation Force, which is still to come when we're recording this. Uh, yeah, that's um, that's like the fun fact about NHL Hits 2002. It's a good resume. Yeah, they, they went on to do great things. Was was Blitz also a 2001 game, or just Hits? Um, I'm not sure... I might have played I might have played Blitz, but I don't oh, think I ever played Blitz. Is this the Blitz the League era? No, there was at least a game called like Blitz 2002 on GameCube, although I'm not sure what year it came out. Or they, they they hyphenated 2002 for some stupid reason. Um, um oh yeah, yeah, there was a Blitz 2202, yeah. It yeah. came out in 2001 on GameCube. I'm not sure if I ever played that one or not. I played a lot of Blitz on N64, though. Yeah, um, yeah. For me, Blitz was always an N64 or uh, or Dreamcast game. Sure. I, I did know. play. I did play Blitz the League a little bit. It was awful. Yeah, I I, I, I actually I had a ton of fun with the the 360 PS3 version of Blitz that came out in 2012. The one that was licensed again, right? Yeah. Which I guess means that it was an EA game, huh? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it was like I. I, I had some friends that we got super into that game, and it, I mean, it did did make it so like there weren't light hits anymore, but it was still right. a really fun game. Sure, sure. Blitz is always Blitz is always my favorite. I played a lot of NBA Jam as well. I never played Hits. Hmm. Maybe I should maybe I should track it down. Maybe. I mean, I've, I've kind of been keeping an eye out to get a copy back because um, I think I had it and I might have sold it at some. You point. wouldn't think a 2001 era sports game would be that hard to come across, but I haven't seen it in the wild yeah. yet. I think it's just uh, GameCube games aren't, like, if you were looking for the PlayStation 2 version of this game, you'd probably have a very easy time finding yeah. it. But GameCube and Xbox games, because they weren't nearly as popular as the PlayStation 2, are just a little harder to find in general. Yep. Circulation was down, so resale is down, too. Yeah. Yep, I got it. So, yeah, um, and uh, there's a fun tie-in with NintendoWorldReport.com with NHL hits. Uh, we have an interview with... Um, David Catlin, who is currently the technical di- he's currently the technical director at Next Level Games, working hard on your Nintendo games of the future. Um, and we, I got to, to send him a few questions about NHL Hits 2002 and the, like the process of being a GameCube developer around that era. Um, and the fun fact about that is that I initially sent him those questions in 2014, over two years ago, for a potential uh, 15th anniversary. Planet GameCube Nintendo World Report article that never came to be. Whoops. So it's nice to revive that. Um, thank you, David, if you listen to this, uh, for being so wonderful into answering questions and then updating said questions two years later. <laughs> or updating <laughs> your amazing. responses ten years or two years later. But uh, yeah, that's um, amazing. Keep an eye out on NintendoWorldReport.com when this article goes live on the website. Uh, the, uh, there will also be the interview going up around the same time. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, I don't. Is is there anything else to say about third party games in 2001 or just 2001 for the GameCube in general? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it. I I don't know. I like I said like I said I think this is one of the better the better third party launches out there or just game just game system launches. Like GameCube has yeah. such a great launch. 
And I think a lot of the third, like the, I guess the multi-platform games, which we, we, we touched on some of them, but there's even ones that we didn't talk about. Like, like I like the Simpsons Road Rage a lot. Uh, the version of Crazy Taxi on GameCube is, was pretty all right. It was fine. Um, SSX Tricky came out around this era as well. And like, those are all really great games. Maybe the GameCube versions aren't the best versions of those games, but I know as, as a person who has only owned a GameCube at this time, I was perfectly content playing a lot of those games for a very long time. Sure. I had picked up a PS2, I think the summer before GameCube came out. Um, but I didn't play most of those games on PS2 that I can remember. I played NCAA football on PS2 primarily, so that's me. But yeah, I don't have anything else to say about 2001 third-party games. I had a lot of fun playing those games. Rogue Leader and Monkey Ball in particular were my two launch launch games of choice. Yeah. And I would say that it's one of the best launches, especially third-party launches, that Nintendo has ever seen. I don't know that they've seen a better a better system launch from a quality perspective than, than GameCube. I know Mario 64 might have a word with that, but uh, that was one game. And it was a really, really fundamentally game-changing game. But it was one game. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. GameCube, GameCube had... I mean, if you want to if you want to go so far as to include Pikmin and Melee, 2001 was such a great year for the system. Um, it's a month and a half of just stellar title after stellar title. Uh, you really can't go wrong with any of the 2001 GameCube lineup if you pick from the top ten at least. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wonderful, and we'll get into 2002, which I don't think is as across the board wonderful, but it will still be a fun discussion nonetheless. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What are our what are our key 2002 titles? Because uh, Wind Waker is 2003, but I think Sunshine is 2002. Yes. And Prime is 2002. Here, I'll I'll, uh, I'll bring up so episode four, which is which is upcoming um, in the next month or so, will be NBA Courtside 2002 versus Eternal Darkness: San Andreas Requiem. Uh, then we will have episode five, which will be Disney's Magical Mirror, starring Mickey Mouse versus Super Mario Sunshine. You heard that right. Disney's Magical Mirror, starring Mickey Mouse, is a first party. Nintendo published title. Yes. Miyamoto was a producer on that game. Wow. It, was, it was developed by Capcom. Hmm. Uh, so then we have... So it's Mar- Mario versus Mickey. And then we got... Episode 6 will be Animal Crossing versus Star Fox Adventures. Hmm. Episode 7 will be Mario Party 4 versus Cubivore Survival of the Fittest. Which was... To actually, that was an Atlas game in North America. But it was Nintendo published in Japan. Nice. And then uh, we will... I haven't really figured out how we're going to do this. We might just talk about Metroid Prime in that same episode as Mario Party 4 and Cubivore because we have an odd number of games for 2002. Uh, Metroid Prime closes out the year. Well, uh, let's be real here. Uh, chances are neither one of us is going to be able to play Cubivore. Well, I, I've, I have played a ton of Cubivore in my day. I just it was, a oh, copy really? that I, it was a copy that I borrowed from someone who I believe they sold their copy of the game. I've played a little bit of it. I intend to do some YouTube uh, looking at that yeah. game. Like, I, I put a ton of time into Cubivore because uh, I borrowed it from a person in college. Hmm. Uh, so I will, ha- I will have a lot to say about Cubivore, if, well, I can, if I can recall. But yeah, Metroid Prime will close out the year as it will likely dominate and win the 2002 vote. And then, Very nice. And then we'll go to 2002 Third Party. And that'll be episode 8, and that'll probably get us through the rest of 2016, potentially. Fantastic. So that's that's Cube Fight episode 3, uh, with our 2001 wrap-up here. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to send us an email at cubefight at 
And if you want to support awesome things like this, so that way we're motivated to do more things like this podcast miniseries, go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash NWR. Uh, if you if you just put a few dollars a month, or I think if you put if you put two dollars a month down, uh, you'll be able to listen to these episodes earlier than everybody else. Wonderful. By like a week, um, or or longer if we have issues with the feed like we did with the first episode. <laughs> but but that seems like it'll be resolved. Yes, we're good. We're good to go now. I think. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's Cube Fight episode episode three. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Andy, for talking about third-party games with me. Happy to help. And, yeah, that, that'll do it. Um, All right. Until, until we have Kobe Bryant versus a demon, um, you know, keep yours, Nintendo World.